I still got my package for Phil, but I haven't braved the fucking post office. I'm thinking if I send it in an envelope, Phil, maybe I won't mm-hmm. have to do all the custom stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Last time I tried to send something to Canada, I got the shakedown. It might have been that thing. Really? Yeah, I guess our countries are now at war or whatever, so. What? I see those video games all the time, and it comes through just fine. But it's usually, well, sometimes. Sometimes it's in in an envelope. This show is not for the easily offended. So if you are easily offended, go listen to something else. Welcome back, listeners. Indie Comic Book Noise 493. The countdown to 500 continues. Oh, did, did we have a, a corner box thing? You know, where a character is changing or something? And you know before we get to 500, Andrew's going to do a bunch of point episodes because he's not going to be ready. Well, yeah, he'll have an excuse to do some point. Or he'll yeah. have an alpha and an omega special. Well, yeah, He'll make the milestone hit when he wants it to hit. Well, long-time listeners of the show know the number 500 sort of bullshit anyways. The numbering jumped around a lot in the old days. But since we've come, except for some important point episodes, gentlemen, those were very important concepts that we had to have those points. They weren't full episodes. They were important addendum and jumping on points. Yep, and there was that limited series that time, if you're going to count that numbering, and the time when the image creators took over our title for a little while. And, uh, oh, are we doing that too, or another podcast is going to take over and do our <laughs> no, own characters? We're never so. doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, maybe Indy could, could, could handle it. I mean, but... Indy, no one would blink. Yeah, no. for listeners. You did it on the most... Most popular mainstream thing you could find. We, for years, on, over on the Marvel Noise podcast, talked about wanting to do like a assistant editor's month kind of event where for April Fool's Day, we swapped hosts with another podcast and we picked the DC Noise guys that we knew and thought it would be funny. Ah, Marvel Noise and DC Noise guys is switch. Well... Let's just say it's the only episode of Marvel Noise that has an explicit content warning. (laughs) Indie Comic Noise is part of the Deliberate Noise Network, as Steve intimated there. Hosted by the great-grandfather, master of all, Derek. We always give thanks to him. Today, you're all in luck. As you've noticed, all four hosts have chimed in. In case this is your first time listening, you were like, what's episode 493 all about? Let's give quick introductions. From the Arctic Ice Box, it's our outpost Zeta. WWX Kev. Say hi, Kev. That's pretty interesting. Uh, yeah, one of the few places in Canada not having a major uh, weather event. No fires. <laughs> uh, no floods. No landslides. He's protected uh, no between all those permafrost. Lakes. Uh, melting uh, that I know of yet 
Um, yeah. I'm from the nation's capital, the fully fortified Otter's Den. It's Phil, the Ottawa Otter. Hey, Phil. Hello. How are you doing? What's uh, going on in the nation's capital? Absolutely nothing. Has the <laughs> canal frozen over? Are you ice skating as we speak? Uh, not yet, no. But it is pretty cold here now. And keeping the show running on the tracks from the bunker, Super Steve. Say hi, Super Steve. Hello. How's the bunker, Steve? The bunker is, as you suggested from the our other hosts that are even more north than me, starting to get chilly down here. Well, but I'm bare. I'm weathering it for you guys. Me, Andrew, the LA Rabbit from Los Angeles, getting a little chilly on this side too. But oh, please, <laughs> please. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe put on a long sleeve shirt. Yeah, are you kidding? I mean, you might need a coat going to San Diego or something. Are you kidding? You have no idea what we go through here in Canada. I'm deliberating. Uh, I might have to put on pants at some point this year. <laughs> hey, now, it's going to be that kind of a podcast, huh? Well, you heard at the beginning of the show, we have our disclaimer that exists solely for those of a, the most genteel nature. Sometimes our language strays into various and sundry topics, so I always put that, but I disclaim. Sometimes we do a Savage Dragon comic. Yeah, that, does it. that too. Well, those are pretty filthy. But our um, generally, we're milk toast fellows with mild opinions. <laughs> yeah, I don't really have anything as a controversial example that we may or may not uh, agree with. Give me one. Give me something that, that happened within the last week. That's uh, that that would be something people would yep. might want to avoid rather than our usual savage dragon example. Well, there you are date the show. There are. Uh, it's going to be on a serious note. Um, lots of strong feelings about image, perhaps uh, unionizing the below the line workers. I guess. I hope oh, that's not insulting. Yeah, th- that that was very strange, wasn't it? Because I thought, well, image would be. Like pro union, right? Because they're pro Indian small guy and everything. I wouldn't think so. I mean, didn't you all those guys? So? Didn't all those guys hire other people as work for hire? In fact, didn't one of them get prominently sued by Neil Gaiman over creator <laughs> rights? Like, I like the image guys, but let's not pretend that they were some were Wait, doing so, this for so, other people. They were doing so it they for left, themselves. They their, their dream was to leave the big guys because they were getting. They're like, oh, the man is putting us down. Then they became the man and just repeated all the mistakes that were being done to that. Wow, that that's wow. And and that's why Thor has a sister. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't necessarily call those mistakes, Kevin. I mean, that's the they wanted to own a piece of the pie and they got it. I don't think they were like everyone should own a piece of the pie. They wanted it. I, I thought Kirkman said, "Use Marvel. Here's my manifesto." Yeah. Start up your own company uh, within an indie company, take part of their rights, and make money off someone else's stuff, and follow my manifesto, and it can work for you too. That's not what he said. That's so, the controversial part. So how much of Youngblood does Chap Yap own, Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> Probably well, more than, than Rob. No, Rob doesn't own Youngblood anymore. Well, that's what I mean. <laughs> Well, which I find that's pretty out of it, right? Make bad decisions. 
what I find interesting is that I always think of image as the most, um, for lack of a better way to describe it, fly by night operation that's scaled down. It doesn't have a lot of staff because they're not, you know, they, they're not quite the house of ideas that the other big companies are, right? They have all the individual creators who have the rights and they're, they become sort of a, you know, a method of publishing the people's stuff. So it's kind of interesting to think that they, you know, have enough people that they, you know, that there's a cry for this, so yeah. to speak. It's an interesting, like I said, the whole thing is ripe for your views on labor management relations and all that. But I just thought, hey, that's a big, it's somewhat of a, even though, like you say, the number of people isn't huge. Yeah. It's still a significant movement if some of those... You know, they, I, production people for I I don't know the the, they the don't, full term. They don't exactly have a bullpen. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. but they still must yeah, have all those. Production is was one of those things that was probably the like the last thing I learned about for people working in comics. Like whoever hears of like oh we need a flatter or whatever like those things were like mysterious concepts that you never heard about and I'm like what you do what exactly I used to think about that watching movies like watching the title the credits at the end and wonder who you know what's a best boy or a key grip you know yeah exactly (laughs) well it's only when I was an adult that I realized quite the impact those things had as more at the big two where you think about you know Stan Goldberg at Marvel Draw, you know, altering covers or filling in what they need to and things like that. And yeah, and Ramita, them doing paste ups and corrections. Yeah. And, and that would have really, like, as a kid, not, that had no, no understand, you know, uh, the guy that says penciled it, penciled it. The guy that inked it, you know, you don't realize that there are people uh, changing things or compl- for good or ill. I mean, you could be like, that's war. That makes it worse, Andy. Or it's just a fact that I didn't grok to till I was older. Yeah, someone has to send those files off to the printer, I guess. Well, I'm sure there's more uh, massaging the files into the specifics, (laughs) but I don't know. Maybe they make them submit it so it's printer ready. I and but I got to think that there's more, more of them. (laughs) Just are you saying like (laughs) Comicsology or people are just uploading their stuff and then the system rejects it? Not the proper format. Like I've heard this from. Get your margins straight. Yeah, exactly. So someone's checking this out going, yeah, this isn't going to fly. <laughs> at least, at the very minimum. So you don't pulp an entire run of something. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm un... It is kind of a fascinating peak. I've always been curious. They've long since abandoned due to digital coloring, but the old, when they used to cut the little pieces of plastic out for the coloring yeah. i'm like that i would totally watch a whole documentary yes. about that that's why yes. supergirl's lips were always off you know it was always like next to her mouth not yeah. right on her lips <laughs> like i find i still think we need a book or a documentary or something on this and i know two people would buy it and two of those people are on this podcast <laughs> but totally like i would be interested in that stuff Oh, come on, Kev. You know, if they put a variant cover, I might buy two copies, forgetting I owned one already. So, I mean, Jim Rugg better do do one if they're, you know, I'm just saying. Yeah, if there's anybody left alive that worked that stuff, it'd be cool to talk to them. Yeah. 
But that's enough behind the scenes. Now we need some in front of the scenes action, as is our traditional... Well, I guess I should also note, Indie Comic Book Noise has a website, IndieComicBookNoise.com, where you can find old episodes of the show. And you can also find my show notes, where I try and find digital internet links to things. That That won't work later. That might give you information, such as Kevin's weird TCAF comics, where I try and find where you can actually look at the name of them or the artist or any I mean, of those I think other this things. is going to be, be a challenge, Andrew. Every every week, I'm going to bring something up, and then I'm going to see if you can find the artist website. <laughs> I think I've been batting pretty good. I think most of these people have figured out, what you need to do is start pulling out mini-comics from, like, the mid-90s or whatever. Oh, no. <laughs> and do hey, that. We- get pretty out there with some of the Kickstarters and things like that. That's like, we don't even know where this is offered. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the campaign's over, but we liked it. <laughs> hey, well, on that front, somewhat, can I start off? Sure, sure. Go ahead, Steve. Hey, you know, you guys know I went to the 2021 Baltimore Comic Con just before Halloween. And, you know, so cool to be back at a comic convention. And I traveled with my pals Mike Spring and Jim Whiting, both of who tabled at the show in artist alley mike with his red white and broke comic that just wrapped up a successful kickstarter campaign for the completion of that series and jim with a bunch of his whiting studio books he's got the margo intergalactic trash collector comics and his bagel his basil gogos process book uh, bad girls shriek a monster's calendar the Joseph and gorgo book all kinds of stuff so while there we met this really nice guy who was tabling about four or five spots over from Jim in the same row, a writer named Tim Fling. And well, we actually met Tim before the show even opened on Friday because he was also working at the Hakes auction booth where they had a pristine Marvel studios, Captain America shield from infinity war on display and, you know, to eventually be auctioned. It was a really sweet, set up too. I only heard about Hakes like a year ago because I remember seeing <laughs> something and I was like, is this legitimate or is this something? And then they're like, yeah, we've been around for like 80 years or whatever. <laughs> I'm well, like, I never heard it. Yeah. Well, you know, these things crop up where you like, oh, buy this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, from some shady internet auction site. Yeah. Or some shady previews catalog. Well, you should see their catalog that the Hakes auctions catalog itself was like this square bound super bowl program size tome of pop culture goodness with these like extensive well-written descriptions of the items and stuff that talked about the historical significance of them and i mean it, it was a really cool book to have on one's shelf in its own right oh yeah but, and they do that, more than comics as you yeah, probably yeah. hinted at i mean if you're into weird collective you know different dolls or bottles or whatever they got everything at those places but yeah you can check out auctions online i did not bid but uh, it was (laughs) impressive but that's not the only reason i wanted to mention tim here i mean he was plenty of fun to talk comics with but was even more entertaining hearing him enthusiastically talk about his series of self-published comics under the earth dog studios banner and you can check out images at their Earth Dog Studios Facebook page or earthdogstudios.com. And Tim's books are a really clever idea. It's really reader-friendly. Each oversized 
well, page count wise, not not the margins, Kevin. Each oversized issue tells stories that are separate, so you're able to enjoy them in isolation, but they're all part of a greater umbrella world of Water Wars 2288, which is a, a great idea. It's all the dystopias at the same time. <laughs> like this scarce water, plagues, mutated beasts, wastelands, scattered you know, groups of human survivors, robots taken over, tribal governments, or, or worse. And the story possibilities are like near endless, and Tim smartly focuses on smaller stories that are set in various parts of this future America rather than try to bombard the reader with this whole world that he's built to tell stories in. Uh, although there is a map, Kevin, which is always nice, right? <laughs> So, like, but you don't need to know, like, the geopolitical status of all current nation states to tell a private eye story set in Chicago, for instance, right? I mean, you know, there, you don't have to know everything about a world, and, and some writers make that mistake of trying to give you it all. I was going to say, it's not too east quick. and west, right? <laughs> yeah. So, I read Water Wars 2288, Volume 2, and The Hunchback of Theological Quadrant 19 – both written by Tim Fling, with art on Water Wars by David Dion and Erwin Arazo on The Hunchback. And Erwin Arosa, I should say, on The Hunchback. The art is really solid. Like, the production on these books are really nice. They are top-notch. They feel great in your hands. He's obviously gone to great efforts to secure competent storytellers who also can really illustrate like these guys are good this ain't your granddaddy's indie comics kids so water wars volume two has the story of a human girl who's being processed in an incarceration complex and manages to escape and now she's like on the run across the terrain that surrounds this facility simple linear straightforward immediately engaging you know me, I'm uh, fewer characters in an easy to follow, interesting circumstance is totally the way to reel me in. And it helps that she's a pretty girl too, right? And then the hunchback of theological quadrant 19 is a self-professed visual poem set in the Water Wars 2288 universe, and honestly, that's the best way to describe it. It's like visually lush with this fantastically designed robot hunchback and it's like a wordless but not without sound story and a real treat uh, kudos to the writer tim fling and to his earth dog studios team uh, by the time this episode posts the kickstarter campaign for their latest water wars book lost at sea will have finished successfully but now that they're on my radar, I back that book and really won't hesitate to check out and support future campaigns because they're really neat books. Check them out at uh, earthdogstudios.com and tell them Indie Comic Book Noise sent you. You don't know how fast I can edit this, Steve, and get it to Kevin. <laughs> get... well, yeah, it's not going to make it, folks. But <laughs> no, but honestly, I'm glad to have Tim as a friend, and I look forward to reading more of his comics. Well, I wanted to, I think, 
My memory is increasingly poor, but I was going to somewhat piggyback because I thought you had recently brought up a book by Mark Russell. I just forgot I was supposed to read a book. Anyways, continue, Andrew. So, because <laughs> uh, so Mark Russell had come up. So I had, due to the last few years of circumstances changing in the world, Andy has dropped off of some publishers, but now that I'm back in the world and they're back in the world, I'm catching back up with them, and one of them is a company we've looked at before, and that's Ahoy Comics. All right, Ahoy. So I picked up uh, my bad number one, which is a uh, Mark Russell. Mostly, there's also a <clears throat> Bryce Ingman, uh, a couple other uh, contributors, Joe Orsack, uh, Peter Krause, Kelly Fitzpatrick. There's a lot to it. It's a, a new universe pitch but it's humorous in nature so it's uh, not a pitch for new universe no it has a i gotta say an underwhelming cover i don't know why i was attracted to it you know how much of the covers get me but <laughs> there is a banner and it says important new superhero universe i will say it is labeled mature but i'm not entirely sure why but it's really just uh, uh to my mind a humorous swipe at traditional superhero comics told through a series of interlocking vignettes. So we have uh, the chandelier, which is basically your Batman, Green Hornet, rich guy dressed up as a superhero to beat people up. And an opens write with him. Checks? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, an alien that's super fast and just making fun of the how the different characters interact. There's a Hulk. Like, I don't really want to give any of the gags or bits away. But I will say there is a page of fake comic book ads that include the dog cigarettes and a joke Bible. And it's told completely <laughs> in the, like the old, like brine shrimp and x-ray glasses with uh, nice. humorous text to it. And I always love that stuff. Um, there's also a gag hostess fruit pie ad in the back mm. and a uh, comic book Mad Lib style. And I just uh, enjoyed poking fun at the silliness of superhero universes told, you know, very slickly. And, well, like, you could you could easily pick this up from a Marvel or a DC from its visual appearance and storytelling and all that manner. But, of course, much more silliness. And I was uh, very surprised. I'm like, oh, I hope I continue to see these issues. I will continue to purchase them. Because all those things like fake comic book ads and those sorts of yeah, parodies always sense. always land with me. Do people know about Hostess Fruit Pies anymore? <laughs> well, I think this is probably pitched it not super yeah. young. But the mature is a bit misleading. I mean, not that there that isn't... That could be for future issues, though. Cause yeah. maybe, maybe. I mean, yeah. there is violence yeah. and that sort of stuff, but I'm used to this point. Mature meaning like Savage Dragon type stuff. <laughs> It isn't anywhere near, you know, the kind of over-the-top nature that I thought it might be. But maybe they're just worried that they don't want little kids to grab it. Yeah. Because it has, you know, I mean, superheroes on the front. Yeah. I mean, how... I don't I don't know about Ahoy's distribution, but I would be surprised if one got into the hands of a, of a baby or something anyways. 
Yeah, I remember when they came out, They had we talked about a bunch of their series. They had that alternate Earth one, I think, with uh, Jamal Eigel. And then they had the Captain Ginger, which I thought you would like, Kevin, about the cats. That... Um, I mean, it, it's kind, it, it reminds me of music, where the radio's like, yeah, we're playing all the stuff from the 70s and 80s you love. And it's like... The 70s, like, they play everything that I don't love. And I'm like, I like that era. But it's, like, the opposite. So I feel like they're like, yeah, we're the Bronze Age publisher, Bronze Age boogie or whatever. I'm like, yeah, but you're, like, they're doing all the Bronze Age stuff that I'm like, like, the stuff I'm like, I'm like, not grooving on. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, because I thought we talked about Second Coming. That's another Mark Russell yeah, yeah. Book. So, the, yeah, it was just... Uh, but another part of it was just Andy back in the swing seeing publishers on the on the rack. And I was like, oh, I haven't... You know, because I did... I was buying The Wrong Earth. I think I might have missed some of the second series of that just from, you know, all the business that's going on. I need to find some w- a clever way to refer to this period of time. <laughs> well, if you if this was an uh, a video podcast, you would see me motioning with hands, like you know, you do the because of the, and then you do the hand expression, like radiating you know, out from you. So you just leave that blank space in there with your hands, jazz hands. Yeah, you're pretty much because of the, <laughs> and then people go, oh yeah, right. and then you don't need to give the audio thing of what. All right, Kevin, hit, hit us with some TCAF. I know you're dying for your obscure uh, book that I'll never be able to find. Yeah, some uh, cats going to the moon or something like that. Eh? Ooh, oh, wow. What a pitch. You've done that before, I'm pretty sure. Have I? Yeah. I don't Phil know. Just doesn't cats come up going to the moon? Or it was like a cat was the moon. It was something. <laughs> Phil, you need to workshop this idea. <laughs> I, I I don't know I don't know how to describe um, what I read, or if this is really even a story. This I don't know. Where, this can... where we burnish our art. That discourages right? me. <laughs> I don't know if you heard that that giant paper flip thing, but this is like the size of like a newspaper. This is where I, I guess I should do Andrew's bit, where I'm like, uh, back in the 1990s, children. Uh, there was things they printed out called newspapers. I still get the print. It's very small but <laughs> and thin, <laughs> but I still we still get a newspaper. I mean, newspapers are still around. Um, they're still the size of this comic, but not apparently not the size of your newspaper, Andrew. But anyhow, it's like part of the internet printed out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of things, I guess, technically. But yeah, this is this is it's folded in half. Uh, this this is probably something that would be the you would consider maybe the most damaged out of all the stuff I got. But I don't think you could really say it's damaged. Or it's like Wednesday comics. Like like I guess they could grade that and say, hey, this is a ten point But I think on purpose because they're newspaper. Like it's not gonna like there's always gonna be something wrong with it. And if some of the things that could be wrong with it, I'm not sure if it's just really wrong with it. Like it has that newspaper black edge around the whole thing and like sort of like fingerprint things. But I think it's just like a photocopied newspaper, but not not 
like the paper is thicker than like it's not newsprint, but it has that like feeling or you know you know when you would you're holding on to a newspaper for too long, you get you, it comes off in your hand. Like it, it already looks like that. You don't have to do it yourself. Yeah, I feel that uh, they do that. I kind of refer to it as distressed appearance. The um, the the Marvel those oversight the uh, grand design books. I feel sometimes and the borders they put a little yellowing artificially on it to make it feel like it's an older page. But I feel like this this isn't like a yellowing. This is just like a I don't know, I think it's closer to like maybe a, like a bad photocopy or I don't know, it's very strange. But anyhow, the the title of this, I think I only found out from the well, I guess maybe it's technically on the front page, but the lettering of the title is like like, like a metal band's um, logo for for their like they'll get something that's unreadable basically, and they'll be like, "Yeah, this is our metal band. This is the logo. Like that's basically the logo of this." So, I mean, I couldn't read what it said. I'm just like Castlevania. I'm like I don't. <laughs> I mean, close enough. So this is uh, from the back page. This is Cast Castro Valva uh, from I think I've, yeah I've, I've covered these guys before from Hollow Press. Oh, so Andrew, you don't so you don't have to look this up www.hollow-press.net I'll be googling the name of that company separately but <laughs> who are the who are the did you, can you identify some of the people that worked on it Yeah it's uh David Glenchy um yeah he, his name is actually readable above the title it's more of um I guess more like bone and everything but that's much more readable so, um, I mean, it's eight pages I th- about, I think, but they're like really huge pages. And on the first page, I was like, I'm not sure which way to read this. Like everything is like really detailed. Like it's in the oversized big form and there's like some creatures, like some gothic creatures and like that heavy metal type of vibe at by the logo and it's all this like exquisite detail and everything and then when you get to like the bottom half it's more like like internal organs and tissue all around this looks it looks like um like a witch or someone that's casting a spell and he's sort of walking around so i was like am i supposed to read this in a circle or am i supposed to read like left to right and I'm sort of like following the word balloons, and I'm not sure if they all make sense in a sort of order because it's it's sort of cut off, like the balloon just sort of fades onto the end of the page. Like you see that sort of like white line or like faded thing where the printer press just stopped printing. It's not like a hard stop. It's just more like it faded out, or there there's a line where. Like they're like they ran out of ink or something, and some words go yeah past the point of where the end would be, and some just stop. 
So that I mean, that didn't help. Maybe you're not supposed to, you're supposed to just read one page forever in an endless circle where you just, until it I finally mean, makes, uh, clicks for you. I did try it multiple ways because I'm like, what is happening here? Because he mentions a coffee and then he's like buying like a newspaper and I'm like, so does, does he do that? I mean, some of the, the confusing part too is if I jump to the last page, like you get the end like halfway down the page and then they're like eating a sandwich but like this but on the page before that they say oh we're gonna eat a sandwich so it seems like the stuff isn't even in order so i'm kind of wondering if this is sort of that page too like there's definitely a sequence at the bottom right where he has a coffee drinking the coffee complaining about the coffee buying a newspaper and then reading a newspaper but I'm not quite sure what the order of events is supposed to be, 100%. Because there's always some weird stuff going off to the side of the page. So then you open it up. You hear that? Oh, yeah. So there's, like, many little circles of know if it's like bubbles or like thoughts or realities or like inside the internet where all these different things are happening because someone is like that dude is definitely like maybe like on the internet but you only find that out as you get down the page and that's it just seems to be like non sequitur stuff how much money did you waste on this a few dollars I think do they have a they have a price on here? <laughs> um, no, they don't. But oddly enough, they have a barcode, of course, right? Because everything needs to have a barcode. I think I went on about that before. But anyways, eventually you get to a point where, like, a guy is trying to um, shave and then and possibly um, take something out of his skull, which sort of leads to an adventure where he goes to a possible stone house. And I'm leaving a lot out here, obviously, because like there is reference to all the items he's carrying. Like one of those things where they're like, oh, I have this in my backpack. Or once he finally found, finds like bones on the ground like he sort of has a footnote for like every bone and um, um, the creator even mentions at some point like another character shows up and he's just like oh yeah like this person was was walking with this guy all along but I didn't draw I, I, I didn't draw them into the story earlier and now they suddenly appear and they're like describing this and they're like yeah should I have added them to my story earlier in this or just have them pop out of the guy's backpack or whatever and he's just like whatever there's another character in the story now <laughs> so, so it's it's very uh, very strange in that in that regard hey you gotta break but the like, fourth wall every once in a while yeah yeah like so there's some of that and then there's also um in the margins, in in the gutters, 
around the page, there's uh, sometimes very small, uh, very small text that might be talking about something on the page. So sort of in that that tradition of uh, living in the margins and the narrows there. So did you like this? I mean, you're not selling me too hard on it, but was <laughs> was it good for you? I guess. I mean, it was it was interesting. I mean, a little hard to follow, but I I think some of that is like intentional, and they're just like, oh, I got this idea. It seems like they got this idea. They they plugged it in here. All right, all right. Are you pick, looking to get more, or are you satisfied with your experience? I don't, I don't know if you could get more. <laughs> but I definitely know the publisher has more weird stuff or then like there's some some other books I know is like um like some kind of grotesque um anatomy with like people like there wasn't skin on their bodies or like they were pulling back organs and there was there's a bunch of weird weird books I just remember. But I'm like, it's it's always interesting. I mean, if you want to see some uh, some different types of art styles, like it's definitely worthwhile for that. And there's a moment where it almost goes into like a COVID thing, where a guy's wearing a mask, and I'm like, this could be just like a COVID fever dream type of thing too. Or I'm not entirely sure. Or this could be a reprint from 1997 or whatever. No, I think it says um, October 2020, first printing, uh, limited to 250 copies. Whoa, look at that, Kevin. You got yourself a collector's item. No one's going to be getting a a mint copy of this, I don't think, though. All right. That would be funny. What do they even do with this? Like, would CGGC just go, yeah, that's oversized. We're not doing that. Or they they would put it in the slab, like, folded. Oh, like they, they wouldn't have all, a slab big enough for this. They do all kinds of crazy slabs and those things. I mean, you know, you're paying for it, but yeah, they've got all size because the the toy graders have to deal with all that stuff. So, I've always deliberated: should I get an artist edition and slap oh. it? Oh. Just have it weigh like 900 pounds and be completely useless. But I've got the shipping alone would be murder on that. So. Well, people must get posters and prints and everything, yeah, um, like slap. Uh, there are certainly um, music venue concert posters yeah. are a big tradable item. Uh, I don't know the sizes on them, but I know that's a hot... Some of the collectible companies that deal in comics also deal in music posters, so those yeah. are big deals. Um, but again, it's not something I'm... Uh, you know, trading in or whatever. It certainly makes sense to preserve it because you can see both sides of it like a playing card, but much, much bigger. Yeah. So, I mean, it was a worthwhile venture. I mean, I didn't hate it or anything. Well, that's a quote you want to put on the... He didn't hate it or anything. Buy this comic. <laughs> um, Phil, when, you're, when, you're, when you're making a TCAF purchase, you like you check out the art, you're like, yeah, that looks interesting. You're you're online since you can't go, and you're like, I don't know, I'll take a swing on that, and it wasn't a failure. So I consider that a win, <laughs> especially last year. 
We're constantly raising the bar on this show. All right, Phil, do you want to pitch in anything, or are you going to pass the mic? Oh, nice. Well, I got this comic. I never bought it. I don't know where it came from, but it's so bad it snuck into my collection somehow. And it's it's called Train 8, The Zombie Express. Don't link this one, Andrew. (laughs) Is it some kind of filthy comic, Phil? Am I going to get in trouble? Basically, it's someone ripping off. In uh, 2016, there was this awesome hit movie called Train to Busan. Do you guys know that one? There's even a sequel, isn't there, Phil? Yeah, and a cartoon prequel also. And uh, so this came out in 2017, and it's it's just someone, you know, trying to copy that idea. But the funny thing is on the, the front, there's this big stamps saying, soon to be a major motion picture. <laughs> so I had, uh, I got, you know, did the Google Foo or whatever they call it and looked it up. It never went beyond this comic at all. So it was just... They didn't even have a movie deal or anything like that. Like, there's literally nothing. But this is the funny thing, too. So this came out in 2017. The second, It's a three-issue miniseries. The second issue came out in 2018. And then the third issue literally came out just a couple months ago. Like, Wait. it took that long to put out these three issues. I can't believe they even, it even made it. Phil, did you buy all... Th- you didn't buy all three no. issues. No, oh. oh, I don't even know how I got this issue. <laughs> I'm not lying. It snuck into your house? Yeah, and uh, it's basically yeah, like it's not a complete ripoff or anything. Basically, it starts off, but it's not like a complete ripoff. It's another great. Train. And another thing too, yeah, the guy who made this, this Yahoo, he has because uh, I was looking, just trying to find something on the movie, so I was going through his Twitter, and he has this one thing where he commented on a Fangora post where he's like, it was like, do you like fast zombies or slow zombies? And he's like. He was, like, dissing the fast zombies, like, all about the slow zombies, like, hardcore. And then in this comic, it's fast zombies. What? Yeah. Maybe he changed his mind. So, yeah, so basically the comic starts off, and basically it explains how people in a lab were playing God, just like, you know, the coronavirus thing there. And then it got out of control, turned people to zombies. And then it's just people on a train, and it's just like you expect. Someone starts turning, starts turning other people, and then that's it. And it's over. This podcast does not endorse Phil's statements regarding <laughs> the origins of the COVID-19 coronavirus. <laughs> Any statements made are distinctly the opinions of the statement or. But yeah, so it was pretty much... Uh, Nothing special. I definitely won't be tracking down the second or third issue. I just can't believe a third issue came out this year like it actually made it, you know? Well, maybe their definition of soon is different and the movie's going to be made in like five years, Phil. There's just no way this movie's being made because there'd be like, he'd at least talk about it or something like that, you know? There's literally nothing except this stamp on this first issue. And what was that? Do you see the publisher on it? Uh, Well, the publisher is... Uh, Bliss on Tap Publishing, which no. is still around, and they, I know they have two issues coming out in 2022. They have on their website, so I, I, it's definitely not the anything to blame the pub, publishers about. I've never read any of their comics other than this. Well, I brought up uh, Los Angeles was from them, Phil, the one about okay, the that, 84 yeah. um, Olympics yeah. here in Los Angeles, the kind of crime noir one. So it's funny <laughs> they have this other. <laughs> well, it's. 
they also did uh, that movie Hardcore Henry, so I guess they're into the movie stuff a bit too. But but I'd I'd have to commend the publisher for actually getting these three issues out because I'm sure it's these Yahoo's faults, not their fault. You know, like why it took so long. Yeah, I've only seen the stack of the Los Angeles books at the <laughs> store, and I have a feeling the guy may have retail sold it to the co- you know that. Sometimes publishers, if they're real small, just show up at store and be like, hey, uh-huh. can you rack a bunch of these for me? Or what? I mean, I enjoyed it, but yeah, I see they do have the train. all three issues of yeah. the Train 8 Zombie Express are available. Yeah. Nice, Phil. Wow, so the what's film, on tap? Yeah, the, the film company's called Be Positive Films, and if they couldn't put out three issues, like if it took this long to put out three issues, there's no way they could ever make a movie. Phil, well, maybe they were working on the movie that time. You There's no. You can't rush art, Phil. Yeah. <laughs> art. <laughs> they kept it getting all those rewrites. All right, Super Steve, are you still there? Did you wander? Oh off? yeah. Okay. Where were you? We didn't scare him. Oh, wandering around the bunker aimlessly. I've got uh, a couple of quick hits. Uh, the common thread being, it's two books written by Cullen Bunn. Two new books, one from Vault and one from Dark Horse. The one from Vault, the first two issues I've read, the artist is Leela Lees, and it's the last book you'll ever read. Yes, we covered issue yeah. one, and I sent that in the box to my buddy. It's all those cool arms <laughs> grabbing. Yeah, throw, I love right? that, that, that variant cover really caught me, but I didn't stay around for the second issue. But tell me what then I I'll, missed, Super Then Steve. I'll just be quick with it and just say that it's a author pens this provocative like self-awareness book that caters to people's primal urges and she hires a security guard making sure that he hasn't read her book to protect her on a book tour despite all these violent horrific acts like occurring that are aimed at her and just around her among like the readers of the book Yet she forges ahead with the plan to continue this book tour. And it's like, you know, is she purposely behind it? Is she just a strong-willed person? You know, only the shadow knows, right? Uh, I, I kind of made up that last part. But it's a weird book. Uh, yeah, it gave me that uh, the King in Yellow feel about a sacred text that if you read it, it alters you in bad ways type of thing. Or like in the Mouth of Madness, doesn't that do that too? Yeah. That's I a had popular met... uh, mythos idea of the things man cannot know and retain their sanity. I met the artist a couple of times years ago and uh, was interested to see how her storytelling was because I had only seen uh, pinups and you know sketches and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. The other book, the one from Dark Horse, is written by Cullen Bunn with art by Fran Galan, and that's Lucky Devil which there's been four issues out so far that I've read. And this, well, there's no way to soften it. This pushover loser guy who just accepts his lot in life becomes infected with a demon that causes him to act all maladaptively and and gloriously violently, I should add. Um, Actually, did I say glory? I meant gory. His book is really gory. Um, so he f- seeks out this urban witch doctor guy to perform an exorcism, but the exorcism only so- sort of partially works. The 
kind of symptom that's left over is that it split them. The loser guy keeps the demon's power, and the demon, in his twisted demony form, is rendered powerless, but you know has uh, has form to him. So he's quite literally like the devil hanging in the closet, suggesting things to this guy. Uh, you don't know how to use this power. You know you should do this or this and that. The other thing, this guy starts a religious movement and butts heads with. Satan's church who are like you're cutting it on our territory here. I, I have no idea where this is going. It's it's fairly interesting though. Always room for more occults in the world, Steve. <laughs> the art is good and the goriness is like really gory, like when he snaps and uh quite literally snaps people apart and stuff and there's entrails everywhere and the color is lush so the blood splatters all over the place and it's it's quite a book. Nice. Well, I'm in honor of keeping it quick. I wanted to give a big shout out, and I know I've mentioned this creator before. Thane Benson, his latest Kickstarter arrived. It's Quick the Clockwork Night. Um, uh, I've described it. I'll have links in the show notes. But basically, it's a fun that sort of over exaggerated style where the limbs are really thin, but the hands are they have big claws and things. So I really like that look that he has to the thing and the gimmick on this one is he brought in Jeff Weber and made a 3D comic Um, before you all grow like with the glasses and everything and what I wanted to recommend this is it actually works really well 75% of the time and even half the time it really really works and I always have problems with 3D like it it mostly doesn't click and I just thought this was really well done most of the times, a couple of the pages, I don't know if it's my glasses or how I have it lined up. They don't always click, but I've, I've had mixed results with 3d books. And I just wanted to say for me, at least this one is way more positive than negative. I'm never going to buy a million of them, but it was fun to have one that actually functions really well. It's a lot of, um, full page spreads and double page spreads or a lot of little panels linking. Nice. I mentioned him before he did the choose your own adventure comic. So it's in that playful vein where he and his uh, monkey companion end up in a time traveling trap and going back. The one thing that's, I may end up having to buy a second copy because the last four pages, they want you to cut the pages and scramble them because I don't know if you guys had the old, there's a toy, the monster maker, but they have them for fashion plates too. And they're basically impressions. You rub against them. And so they have a a plate for the head, one for the body and one for the foot. And that's what he did with all the characters. So Mm. there's like a robot head, a monkey head, quicks head, a zombie head, and then the body and the feet or tails or whatever. And I'm like, Oh, I'm not cutting my comic book. (laughs) (laughs) They also, they also used to have those as like flip, book kinds yeah. of things where you would um you know assemble the pages staple them together and then cut along the dotted line so you had like the three flaps that you could do the top of the body the middle or the bottom you know like th- those are fun yeah that's how uh they're suggesting and i'm like uh do i really want to cut my <laughs> it goes against everything i know but anyways i'll i'll have the like he always has the store but i backed this on the kickstarter and i just enjoyed his art last time I got the Doctor Strange commission and a bunch of stuff. This time I just got the book. Um, big fan. Glad to see things are going well. It's a fun 
silly. It has the right kind of just big adventure with monsters and craziness. Not a big thought piece here. I love 3D comics. I really do. I, I love the kookiness of them. I love trying to not make the, you know, the bend by the staple when you open up the, you know, when you have yeah. the book folded open, you know, change the, how you're seeing the periphery and stuff and trying to line it up right and light it right. And I, I got a whole bunch of great 3D comics. Well, good and, and, and bad ones, I should say. But, you know, one of my favorite ones is, is that Jack Kirby one. It was really great. I mean, I know it, it's probably partially because it's right in my wheelhouse and came out, you know, when I was, you know, like probably like 12 or something. But it was, it's such a good, such a good book. And Kirby's really flat looking style of art was really fun for that Ray Zone guy to, you know, do the different, uh, like the shoulder and the bicep and the forearm all being at different layers and stuff. And I, I appreciate the, artistry that goes into trying to make those things work and i'm willing to futz around with the sharp cardboard on my on the bridge of my nose to try to make it work yeah i need a lot of light is the other key because sometimes i'm not in like go in the brightest room or have a bright amount of light that helps me i just i don't know sometimes i feel like they don't they just throw it on and have a few pages that highlight it and the rest it's kind of flat no pun intended but this one, sure. I, I could see, they were really swinging for the fences, and it mostly worked, which is why I mentioned it. And for me, I don't know, I, that lining up can be tricky, like we were joking about with the the virtual reality codes you scan with your phone or whatever. It's always sure. hard to get that. But yeah, that's my quick hit to get it in under the wire. Kevin, any last quick ones you want to slide in? I feel like I, I failed you, Andrew. I, I thought I was supposed to read Ant. Number one, next time. Oh, yeah. I read that. I read that. Yeah. So, but instead, even though Super Steve is here, although this might technically be a Super Steve idea or or the way it's done, is uh, some Valiant comics. (laughs) (laughs) I I I read. (laughs) I read the Harbinger. Steve has left the chat. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Few months again. So, but but uh, you'll know these guys by uh, Colin Kelly, uh, Jackson Lanzig, Robbie Rodriguez, and Rico Renzi. Now, if that isn't an A-list creative team, I don't know what one is. And can I just say that even though I joke about the Valiant stuff, you know, the reason I'm not into that stuff is because it hails from the time when I wasn't reading comic books there and when I got back into comics and tried to catch back up on the stuff that I had missed, I didn't really seek out, you know, like new publishers that had already fallen by the wayside. Little did I know they would be revived a bunch of times over the years. But I will say this, going through the previous catalog, I always take the time to flip through and read the creative teams on every one of the Valiant books because they always have interesting creative teams and, and good cover images. They they really do. Yeah, and I I start realizing like yeah, I guess they it's weird because they're they're more house style generic, if you can call it that, um, style at the publisher is more like like a Michael Lark or a Hardman or like I always think that's more like when they're like, oh, we're going to do the uh, mainstream stuff. Like, it's I not, like, it's stylized, but it's not, like, 
I guess it's more like realistic, and like that's their like that's their bottom almost, which is compared to other, what they could do. Like if they were a dynamite or someone, like like dynamite. they're like way higher than than some of those other companies on their artistic scale. Yeah, they're actually paying storytellers that you know are names in the industry that that work around and you know yeah so ninjack <laughs> it was funny i i i'm like oh yeah i didn't even think about it right because i'm like you have a great artist on a book i don't even think about oh that some people might react badly to some stylized artwork so it was like oh people are like oh i don't know if this artwork fits ninjack i'm like i, I thought it was great that's what excites me. I'm like, you have like some guys that are superstars, and then I like on- the artwork, but I don't like it for Ninjak, so I'm probably one of those people. <laughs> I know. I, I was just like, I, I was like, I can't even believe that. So this, um, I mean, you have the artistic part of the Spider Gwen book with all the crazy colors and all that style that Rodriguez brings to a book. So I'm just like, yeah, I'm there, like. That automatically, like your book is bumped up a few levels, even if the story is not hitting. So, but I like that. Like someone's going to look at that and say, "Oh, what's with the art or whatever?" Like it's not, it's not just like some standard style. Like he's he's bringing something else here. He's pushing to some different areas. Well, for me, I'd rather see that art with like Archer and Armstrong. Maybe, maybe. I feel like it suits that book more. But it, the reason why I said Bottom that, Woody, something like that. This is a super Steve type of uh, setup here, is because um, Harbinger, like the title, like it wasn't the name of the team necessarily, but it was like the name of of like a foundation and everything. But like the team had a separate name, the Renegades. But this, it doesn't have the Renegades. Like it only has like basically the one character from the Renegades. So you're basically just following one guy, although there is, like, two voices, and then they introduce a new character. So you don't have, like, all these characters to know about. You just need to know about your main dude here, uh, Peter Stanchik, one of the most powerful characters in the Valiant universe. And for some reason, he's lost his memory, and he's wandering around, and then people are, like, reacting badly to him because... He's sort of infamous. He sort of has that, like, you know, like a Cura-level crazy power set where it's, it's like he could just be set off and, like, a whole area could just go off. He, he's also one of the, the one of the two people that can activate other uh, Psyots, people with powers. So that's kind of a bit of the, the mystery here of, like, what's going on. And then they, they sort of deal with some of the status quo where, like, um, the Harbinger Foundation isn't like it used to be. So they've turned some of those places that used to house uh, people there for the foundation into, like, um, a place, like a community where they can um, segregate people with powers. So that's, that's pretty much the basics and then um, they introduce the, this this uh, other character here, who I assume he'll be like having his adventures with 
and they're uh, also one of these people from uh, from this community. So it's kind of a mystery, and it introduces some uh, new characters to the the warning that are going around, and uh, you know, making people forget. And then you're like, "What's the deal with this?" So, as uh, Stanchek starts to get his identity back, there's a thought of uh, be better in his head, like from uh, disembodied people from his past, and possibly more. Anyhow, he's made some mistakes in the past and been rebellious, the rebellious teen and rebel trying to change the world. Shout out to our new Warriors segment on Marble Noise. <laughs> so in these times, uh, we're going to see if he will live up to that ideal and uh, or chart uh, some new kind of path. So how so, many issues into this are we, Kevin, roughly? Uh, one issue, but I'm sure by the time this comes out, there'll be two issues out. Right. And you're going to keep buying it, I assume? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I actually think I forgot to specify that I was buying the... I mean, it's weird, because you're, you're pre-ordering, and there's a pre-order edition, but technically you could pre-order a non-pre-order edition. Like, just regular comic. And I don't think I specified that I wanted the pre-order edition, but I usually get the pre-order edition. So, I mean, that's the one I ended up with anyway. So I was just like, oh, okay, that's fine. Nice. And is it going to make a good movie with Vin Diesel? Uh, Vin Diesel? No. I'm Wait, not... He's already bloodshot. I guess we need a He new makes guy. a good movie? I mean, I thought people generally liked the movies... I mean, I mean, I know that 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 like Fast and the Furious sort of went to other places, so maybe people. Fast and the Fu- I'm talking about the Valiant Verse. <laughs> <laughs> Two people have no respect. The next Are you cinematic the universe. Fast and the Furious isn't in the can't be in the Valiant universe. Yeah, I don't think it works that way with IP. <laughs> Just file off the serial numbers, Andrew. All right. Well, I think that does it for another episode in the bag. Thanks, everybody. Kevin, you know what to do. Uh, my my favorite bit of this episode is our uneducated talk about how the comic book industry works. Hell yeah. <laughs> like that, that, if people just listen to that and go, oh, oh, these losers. They don't, they don't know how comics are made. That, that, but anyhow, anyhow, what you want to hear, Andrew, is Grok, Midgard needs that vaccine. We do, we do, and boosters. Thanks for listening, everybody. Later. Valiant's really an iconic company in the history of comic books. We've sold over 80 million comic books in our history. We have Rye, Exo Manowar, Din Jack. It's a $750 million industry in the United States and a $6 billion industry globally. Our ambition is to be the leading independent company in the comic book world. The editor is the hub of the wheel of the production process, uh, and Dropbox is right at the heart of that. The people who actually work in the trenches of creating the comics, the writers, the artists, the colorists, the letterers, these are all freelancers. We employ dozens, maybe hundreds of freelancers. They're all over the U.S., they're all over the world. We're just constantly transmitting files back and forth between all of us. It's all done via Dropbox. The comic book process really begins with the layout stage. The artist uploads high-res scans of pencil pages via Dropbox. 
I pull them in from there and then I transmit them to an inker, also via Dropbox. And then the inks come in and go to get colored, to get lettered. At the same time that I send the files to the colorist in the Philippines, I send the same black and white art to the letterer who's in Maryland. A Finnish comic could be a really international affair. We have never missed a deadline at Valiant. Deadlines are, are very important in this business. A comic has to go to the printer every 30 days, so it has to be ready by that deadline, no matter what. There's been major snowstorms where we have been unable to come to the office, but our fans, who are not necessarily in New York, they're going to be at the comic stores on Wednesday morning looking for their Valiant comics. Our production staff works remotely as well as in-house, so they're able to access files that they need wherever they are. Working remotely, we can meet our deadlines because of Dropbox for Business. Conventions are a major part of the comic book industry, and we have them almost every weekend. Our staff that's working at the conventions have work to do at the convention, but also need to handle their real day-to-day -day work as well. I mean, whether they're working on a laptop, an iPad, an iPhone, they're all using Dropbox for Business. Dropbox for Business provides us with flexibility, efficiency, uh, ability to work remotely, cost-effective solution. I mean, it really provides a technological backbone of what we're doing in comic book publishing here today.